Well, good morning, Lake Point Church. How are you guys doing this morning? morning. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Hey, it's great to be back. And some of you might be thinking, back from where? Well, we had a a team of uh, four people from Lake Point Church go to Nicaragua. Uh, this uh, week ago, and uh, I'm going to share with you a little bit more about that trip. A little bit later, i got some exciting stuff to announce that God has been doing uh, there in Nicaragua and what he uh, did through our team, and uh, so exciting. Uh, but I've got some other things I want to share with you um, as well as we get on into this, uh, this uh, series called Faith Book. If you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to dive in pretty quickly. Uh, we, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to do chapter 12 in just a small portion at the beginning of chapter 13. If you don't have your copy of God's Word, we have the uh, verses on the screen behind me, and uh, we also have it on the YouVersion Bible app. You can do prayer requests. By the way, we, we, we do get several people uh, doing prayer requests on YouVersion, and um, I would encourage you to do that. And you can also um, give online tithes, offerings through there, and you can also sign up for certain events like the Ladies Bible Study this fall and so on and so forth. Um, but we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and we are, we've only got just a few more chapters in this series called Faith Book, and we're going through uh, the summer. We started the beginning of the summer and uh, taking it on through uh, the first couple of weeks in August, and then we'll be uh, finished with that. But we uh, are reminded in this, um, in this series uh, of why <clears throat> we believe that faith in Jesus is the way to salvation. Faith in Jesus is the way, and that everyone needs salvation. Everyone on planet Earth. Um, and Paul was talking to the Jews. Yes, Jews, even you, chosen people. You need to have faith in Jesus. It's not through works. It's through faith in Christ. And, and there are even people sitting in churches all across the world who they believe that they're, just, uh, they, they're going to heaven just by being a good person. And they've never really surrendered their heart and life to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And yes, there are even people in churches that need salvation. Just because you sit in a church uh, on a hard bench here at South Central Middle School doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You need to check your, uh, check your heart, check your life to make sure that you are following Jesus in a relationship. And we'll go more about that later. But this relationship is not based on works. It's based on faith in Jesus Christ. And I know in a culture that's hard to, that's hard to comprehend, um, especially for men uh, who, who feel like they, they don't like to give anything for free. I mean, someone gives me something for free, I'm just like, well, let me pay you for that, or let me just work to earn that, or just, you know, what can I do in, in response to that? You know, what do you need? And some people are like, I don't need anything. Just accept it. In fact, some people have learned with me just to, you know, give something anonymously, <laughs> so I'll, I won't know who it is, because... I feel like, and, and this isn't right, but I feel like I need to always give something in return. Well, many times we take our approach to salvation and our destination to heaven the same way. We feel like we got to work to get there. What's not on works, it's based on faith, and it's based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's use, for an example, uh, a marriage. Let's say if, if uh, my marriage with, uh, with my wife, Suzanne, uh, if it was based on just works, if I was trying to have a good marriage based on uh, all the chores that I would help around the house with, do the, doing the dishes and kind of doing a lot of things around the house and, and things I'm supposed to do and helping with the kids and, and help get the kids to bed. And, and I'm doing all this stuff. Why? So I can have a good marriage. Now, let me pause <laughs> right now and say, those are all good things. Now, but if I'm just focusing on 
those good works, having a good marriage, and if I don't sit and talk with her, spend time with her, look her in the eye, you know, uh, take her to TCBY because that's what we can afford, you know, and that kind of stuff, then, then if I don't do those things, I'm not building a relationship. Our marriage is strengthened by our relationship, and it's built on that, not on works. Now, the reason I help with the dishes and help with the kids and all that stuff is because I love my wife, and I don't want my wife doing all of that just by herself. Now, there are times she's caught, you know, holding the bag by herself, you know, but, but as much as I can, I try to help. Why? Because I don't want my, my wife holding it by herself, just trying to hold, the for, hold down the fort because I love her, because there's a relationship. It's the same way with Jesus Christ. It's the same way with our relationship with our Heavenly Father. It's not about being a good person. It's about loving Jesus. And the more you know Jesus and love Jesus, the more you're going to want to please him. And uh, we will become a God-pleaser, not a man-pleaser, and not a self-pleaser. And then when, when we live a life pleasing to God because of our love for him, we will walk in freedom, freedom from, from condemnation, freedom from sin, freedom from guilt. Now, it doesn't mean that we never sin. It just means that a condemnation from sin does not exist. And um, it tries to come, you know, into, into our heart and our life. When we do something that goes against God's word, we're like, man, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry for that. I need to confess that to you. I need to apologize, and I need to repent, meaning repent. You do a 180, and you stop doing that thing that's, that's causing a, a rift between you and the Heavenly Father and y'all's relationship. And so uh, when, whenever, we, um, uh, whenever we have those, uh, those opportunities to, uh, to please the Lord, we do it out of freedom. We have freedom from uh, sin and from death. There's many Christians in this world who are walking around defeated they're walking around in a defeated lifestyle. There could be somebody here today. I could be talking to people here today. You could be walking in a defeated life. Why? Because even though you, you profess Christ as Savior, you've allowed the condemnation of sin and guilt and shame to get the best of you. But the Bible says in Romans, it says that we've been free. We've been freed. We've been let go of those things, of, of shame and and guilt, and that we, all we have to do is just confess it, repent, turn away from it, and get back up and, and try to live the person God designed us uh, to be. And so uh, we have death and sin have no power over us because of that. And so we can walk in victory. And I'm going to encourage you to walk in victory. Well, that victory is part of what we're going to talk about today. It's part of the transformed life, the transformed life. If I could title this message today, that's what it would be. In fact, if you're on version, you'll see that. The transformed life. We all like transformation. We all like when things are, are old and decrepit and uh, when we, they could be restored. Uh, man, that's, that's, a good, that's a good thing. It's good news when things get restored. Same way with our life. And so um, we want to live a transformed life following in Christ. Well, part of that transformed life is really just trying to find the will of God, trying to find the purpose of God. Have you, ever, have you ever wondered, what is God's purpose for your life? Have you ever wondered, God, what do you want from me? What, what, what do you want me to do? Where do I need to be? 
Who do, who would I, who do I need to, to marry? Where do I need to live? What job do I need? What, what church do you want me to go to? Where do I need to serve in the church? What person do you want me to be? I've wanted that many times in my life. And you may be asking the same questions as well. What is the will of God? Well, that is a very good question, and you already have the answer to that, and so do I, and it's found in Romans chapter 12. And we're going to, um, we're actually going to start with verse 2. We're going to go back to verse 1, but we're going to start with verse 2. At the end, it says, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Doesn't that sound great? His good, talking about God, his good will, his pleasing will, and his what? His perfect will for our life. Don't we all want that perfect will of God in our life? God, what is your perfect will for my marriage? What is your perfect will for my relationship with my kids? What is your perfect will with how I should live my life? Well, the way to get his perfect will, it says it right there in that, in that, same, uh, in that same verse. To test and approve what God's will is. God is saying, look, you can test and approve my will for your life. And, and um, we can do that by, and it says before that, by renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to basically find out what God's will is. So Paul's given you the answer. It starts with kind of renewing your mind. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to kind of renew your mind? Well, it can mean a lot of things. Some of the junk we picked up in our mind, filtering it out with God's word, uh, with uh, positive uh, Christian music, uh, with, um, with good, good uh, fellowship with other believers. That's why a small group is so important. You get that, that extra one-two punch uh, between Sunday morning and the small group to where people can, uh, can, can share what, what God wants you to hear. Uh, for your life. But another thing, renewing your mind, I got to experience this when we went to Nicaragua. When we went to Nicaragua, uh, I, was, I experienced something that I haven't really experienced in a very, very long time. My brain went on vacation in Nicaragua. Now, you may say, well, what? so you went to, on a vacation? You didn't work? Well, oh, yes, we worked. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a grueling schedule. We, we did a lot of walking, a lot of door-to-door witnessing. We, we threw parties, where, uh, block parties where hundreds and hundreds of people came. It, it, was, it was a lot of work. But here's what happened, and I didn't realize till about day three that my mind was going on a vacation. And here's the reason why. I was not in charge. I was not in charge. I didn't have to make decisions. The only decision I had to make, really, was what do I wear today? And let me tell you what, that was pretty cool. Because here's the deal. All I had to do, we had to get to the airport, and I didn't have to drive myself to the airport. Somebody else drove for us. We just had to show up. Somebody put me in a car, drive me to the airport. Somebody gave me a ticket. You, you, you go on this plane. You sit in this seat. People take care of me there. I got off transportation. I had interpreters. I had all kinds of stuff. And, and, and of this group, there were about 60 people, people from other churches and uh, all across the southeast who were there, part of this same trip. 
and everything was done for you, everything. And I was like, this is amazing. Because every mission trip I've been on, I pretty much have been in charge. I, I, was, I was like the one that put it together. So you got to like make decisions. Even a family vacation, you don't, get, you don't get the kind of brain vacation that I got because you have to make decisions with your kids. Okay, we were fortunate enough to bring our kids to a couple of days at Disney uh, uh, a couple of months ago or, or a month ago, and we had to make decisions, you know? We had to uh, kind of deal with kids and that kind of stuff. And so it was a vacation, but it wasn't a brain vacation. And here's, here's what happened. That brain vacation, it renewed my mind. It was a restart. And it energized my body. And energized me physically. I, I, was, I was never really, you know, exhausted. Even though we did a lot of walking and, and a lot of work, I was never really exhausted. And here's the reason why. Because my mind was being renewed and it had effects on my body. That is an example of a mind being renewed. So Paul is saying, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a transformation that happens. Let's, let's walk backwards a little bit further. At the beginning of verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's what happened to me. I, I, I sort of got out of my pattern that I was living I got out of the pattern of, of everything I have to do. And so because of that, my, I was able to renew my mind. You know, that same lesson we can apply to, to all areas of our life. If you, if, if you need transformation in your marriage, if you need transformation in other areas of your life, you, uh, you can have that by not conforming. For instance, if you need a restart on your marriage or or transformation in your marriage, don't conform to the patterns that this world tries to get you to follow. The other people, the patterns of, 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 uh, of destruction and marriage, don't follow some of those patterns that the world follows. There's a report that came out. There's a company called Ashley Madison. Some of you probably know about this. Ashley Madison is a, is a company that breaks marriages apart, and they do it secretly. And they had a, I think they had a, from what I understand, they had a, a security break, and, and some of people's information uh, was exposed. And I tell you, there's, a, there's a, a lot of nervous people in the United States. But when I read an article this, this week saying that it showed some of the the states and the areas where there are lots of people who are involved in extramarital affairs and doing it secretly. In one state alone, there's 800,000 people. Now, that right there is a pattern you don't want to follow. That's a pattern of this world. We should not be conformed to the pattern, the image of the world, we should be following after pattern of what's in God's word. So do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Break from the mold. You need, you need renewal in your finances. Break away from the mold. Do something different. Don't be conformed to the patterns that this world tries to get you to buy something or, the, or that you, you're unhappy 
Don't, don't fall into that. Nicaragua, I saw hundreds and hundreds of very, very happy, content people. And they lived in a one-room house. No doors. I didn't see many doors. I saw a lot of dirt floors. But they're working hard. They're every, every house they went up to, hola, hola. They're smiling. I'm like, this is crazy. This is unbelievable. I, I just wanted to ask them, why are you so happy? And that's even before they accepted Jesus. Why? Because they're content. They're not following in the patterns of this world. You want to restart on your finances? Don't follow into the pattern of this world. You want to break away from that. You want to have break away. You want to have renew your body, renew how you feel. Break away from the mold. Break away from the patterns of this world. That's hard. When I'm at Home Depot and I'm buying supplies for the house and I'm eating, you know, my last meal and I see big thing of M&Ms, peanut M&Ms, I like that. I buy it. It's good stuff. But it's not good for me. And my wife tells me. She reminds me of that. But break out of, break out of some of those molds and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. This will bring transformation to your life. Well, then Paul, then, now let's go to, uh, to verse 1. Paul talks about transformation of a life through worship. So verse 1, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. So, therefore, the word therefore is there for a purpose. And it's to show you that there's something that existed earlier that can help you to do something now that follows after uh, verse 1 and verse 2. So, Paul is saying this, therefore, in view of God's mercy. So, folks, everything I wrote about in chapters 1 through 11 all of that, God's loving mercy, what Jesus did on the cross, how he left his heavenly throne, it came down because he loved you and he, wanted you, what, he did not want you to die in eternal death and he wanted to save you, he wanted to redeem you, he wanted to renew you and Jesus, in his, in, in only he can, came down to this earth and did that for you and out of his mercy and out of his love, so therefore in full view of God's mercy. Folks, are you in full view of God's mercy? Have you, have you seen, have you, have you realized what Jesus Christ did for you? If, it, if it's sort of old news, read it again. It's good news. And that news that you have, you need to tell people. Because that right there, when people understand the full view of God's mercy, their response is a life of worship. The mercy of Jesus coming to earth and dying for us and not leaving us alone should cause a response from us. It should cause a response from us. Let me give you an example. Let's say if there was a car speeding down the road, and our, our 
littlest child, Lincoln, was in the road. And let's say if Lincoln was not paying attention, which happens all the time, and let's say if the driver was texting on the phone and not really paying attention, and there's going to be a collision that's going to happen. And let's say you are right there and you could do something about it. So what do you do? You save Lincoln. He's cute. We'll keep him around, right? So you grab Lincoln at just the, just the nick of time, and you pull him over, and you save his life from the speeding, out-of-controlled car. And then let's say if you bring Lincoln to me, and you explain the whole situation, and my response is, oh, wow, that was, that was almost dreadful. And then I just walk away. With no thank you, nothing. That's not the kind of response you would want. Sometimes God gets that response. Sometimes Jesus gets that response. Not sometimes, all the time from people. Look what I did for you. Look at the full view of my mercy, of my love. And not even gratefulness, thankfulness. Well, because they don't understand. They don't see, fully see the full view of God's mercy. No, what I would do to you, I would probably hug you and I would say, thank you so much. I'm totally indebted to you. What can I do to, to, to help you or what? You know, I mean, what do you need? I mean, thank you. I don't know what I do, but just thanks and gratefulness. And I'll hug Lincoln and then I'll spank him for getting a road. And, you know, but, but I, I would have a heart of gratefulness and almost a life of just, man, whatever you need. My life is your life. I'm going to surrender whatever you need because you saved my son. Our response should be the same. Therefore, in view of God's mercy, Paul says this, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So true and proper worship so what is the true and proper worship? I, I, I didn't read anywhere where Paul says true and proper worship, you got to have an awesome band like we have here, an awesome sound system. you got to have, you know, video stuff. That wasn't, that wasn't on there. He didn't say anything about true and proper worship. True and proper worship was that, you know, you, you've got to do that in, at church. You've got you to be at church because that's the only true and proper worship that you could do that with other believers? Mm, that's not what he said. What did he say? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your true and proper worship. This is your true and proper worship. Our true and proper worship is valued by the sacrifice we make with our bodies. The sacrifice we make with our bodies. What does that mean, Frank? Sacrifice. Be a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice is this. You, you, you put a guard of what goes in your mind. You're renewing your mind. You put a guard of what goes into your mind. You, uh, you put a guard of what goes into your eyes. 
You, you put a guard what, what goes into your body. You, you treat your body like, because it is, for those who accepted Christ, like it is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us for those who've accepted Jesus. And because of that, your body is a temple. So your act of worship, it's not about you singing. It's not about you, you know, doing all this stuff. That's, that's not, I mean, yeah, we worship as a church. That's corporate worship. But your worship, how you worship is with your life. Let your life be your worship. Some people say, I worship in my car singing the songs. Yeah, you could do that. That's great. How about you worship with your life by what you put in your, by what, what you see with your eyes? How about you worship with your mind by putting a filter in your mind, but not letting those thoughts that lead you down a, a rabbit trail that leads you to somewhere that's contrary to what God wants you to think about? That is a life of worship. Now, that's not, I'm not saying that's all about work salvation. You do that, you have a life of worship. Why? Because you want to please God and you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You naturally want to please him. And so, that should be your response. Now, let's, let's talk a little bit about a cor- corporate worship. I spent almost 25 years as a, as a worship leader in college and, and on through while I was a teaching school in Texas and, then, and so on and so forth and went, went into full-time ministry. So, I've been doing worship for many years and I have seen a wide variety of, of people and how they worship. And there's different types, and I love, I love people who, just, who, who, who just stand there worshiping, and maybe they sing a little bit. Maybe, maybe they raise their hand and, you know, whatever. It's really about the heart. It's really about the heart, but you can see what's in the heart by the countenance on their face. And here's what you can see. Here's what you see. You see people who they don't depend on this corporate time of worship as their moment of worship for the week. This right here. It's just something we're doing together as a bride of Christ. Your true and proper worship is what you do Monday through Saturday, folks. It's what I do Monday through Saturday. That is my worship. That's my individual worship. And you can tell when people worship if they've been worshiping with their life, being a living sacrifice throughout the week. In fact, if you catch yourself, and I've been, I've been here before, even as a worship leader, if you catch yourself being really critical of like the worship time, like in corporate worship, that means that you're trying to own it for yourself because that's your weekly worship, which means your, your worship to your Savior is, is, is malnourished. It means that, hey, this is my time. I have some personal preferences here. I like to have these kind of songs and have these instruments kind of played and all this stuff because this is my time of worship. And I've thought that before, too. And I've had to check my heart and realize, you know what? I'm making this more about me when Monday through Saturday is really about me and God. This is not about us. I mean, it's not about you. It's not about me. This time here, this is about the bride of Christ coming together. And so that's one indicator that you can use if you're starting to be critical about what's happening. And, and as a worship pastor, I've seen it. I've seen churches split over music stuff. 
It's crazy. And I've got a sermon I could preach all about this. I won't do it right now. But the reason why is because Satan is using that. Because Satan, Lucifer, used to be the worship leader in heaven before he got kicked out of heaven. And he's using music to split the church. It's all his plan. I'll share that sermon with you some other time. But that's, that is how um, our daily living our life of worship, that's how we worship our Heavenly Father. So corporate worship. So you want to know God's will is to be a living sacrifice every day as an act of worship. So these two verses are crucial because they connect the sacrifice Jesus made for us to our transformed lives as a result of a living sacrifice of daily worship. So these two verses right here, everything that Paul said in chapters 1 through 11, so in view of God's mercy, do this, and then what happens? There's a natural response. There's, there are things that happen when we live our lives as a living sacrifice. One of it is we are transformed by serving, Romans 3, sorry, 12, 3 through 8. Romans 12, 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of God has distributed to each of you. Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these, body, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, Form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy and in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. It is in teaching, then teach. If it is encouraged, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do do it cheerfully. So what Paul is saying is this. He is sharing, sharing with us, look, we all have gifts we can use. And how we serve is a direct outcome of a life of worship. Remember, you're trying to find the will of God in your life, and you want transformation in your life. And to do that, live a life of worship. Worship God with what you do, with your body. Worship Him. And then the outcome will be you're going to want to serve the body of Christ. You want to serve God. Many people here at Lake Point Church do that. So we got so many great volunteers. I'm always bragging about uh, about our volunteers. In fact, there's there's people in the community who they look at Lake Point Church. I know this because I'm in touch with a lot of people in the community. They look at Lake Point Church and they're like, "You're that church. You're part of the church that." You guys have a lot of good volunteers. I was like, yeah, we do. How do you know that? It's like, well, people are just talking about it. You know, whether it be at, at community events uh, that, we, that we do, Eggfest and uh, sports camps and, and all kinds of stuff, feeding the teachers. And, and we have a great many of volunteers, and we're so grateful for that. But I want to make sure that you find your spot. You find your spot for serving here at Lake Point Church. In fact, starting next week, we're going to give you uh, opportunities for you to think about, about finding your spot to serve. There are many areas you can serve. And on August 16th, 
That's a few weeks from now. On August 16th is Find Your Spot Sunday. That's when you are going to uh, turn in uh, a, a response card that has, look, we or I or as a family, we want to try uh, this or I want to try to serve here or this sort of deal. And so that is Find Your Spot Sunday, August 16th. And so it's important that you serve. Another thing we do uh, is we are transformed uh, by love for one another. In Romans uh, 12, 9 through 21, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another, another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. See, uh, serve in the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful uh, to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be conformed, um, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You might be thinking, Frank, that is a lot of stuff. Am I supposed to do all that stuff? Man, that sounds like a works-based salvation. No, it's not. It's an outcome. It's an outcome of a life that wants to know and love their Savior and is a life that is walking in a living sacrifice daily and a life that has a true and proper worship, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday by what you do with your life, with your body, what you let in, what you allow in, those are the things that's proper worship. And the outcome is what I just read. And one of the best ways you can practice that, what, I mean, I can't think of a better way, is a small group. You could do this within a small group. You could learn, in a small group, you can learn to be devoted to one another. These are all words that are in this passage. You can learn how to be joyful and patient and faithful with one another. In a small group, you can learn to share and bless others. In a small group, you learn how to live in, in peace and harmony. So, find your spot in serving and find your spot in small groups. We have small groups. In fact, we're going to be starting some new small groups as well. And so, we want to make sure that you are in a small group. That is the best way for you to grow in your faith, serving alongside others, and for you to practice this love. You have to have a way uh, you have to have a, a, a way to express what God is doing in your life, right? If you don't express what God is doing in your life through serving and, and sharing and, and all these things with a small group, then you're going to end up like the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea has, it has a source, it has a water source going into it, the Jordan River. You know what happens after that? Nothing. It goes nowhere. And it sits dormant. Nothing lives in it. It's dead. It's very salty. 
Why? It has no output. It has no way to express. So you've got to have you got to have a source walking with Christ, living a life of worship, and you also got to have a way to express that. If not, your spiritual walk is dead. Serving in small groups. Find your spot Sunday, August 16th. You're going to get information on it starting next week. You're going to get information. Why? Because we want you to pray about where you're going to serve and what small group you're going to be a part of. Now, some of you say, well, Frank, I serve. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. Some of you probably serve too much. You're holding too many spots. <laughs> you got to let, you got to let some spots go, you know, do, do a couple of spots. It's great. Let more people in. Invite people in. Be, be, be a magnet to let people in. So we are, we are transformed through serving. We are transformed by love for one another. We are also transformed through submission. Chapter 13, verse 1 through 7. And we're going to stop after verse 7. So let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Sometimes I ask, why God? But hey, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers have a hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong, do um, for those who do wrong. Do you want it? Um, sorry. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. Verse four, for the one in authority is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid for rulers who do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Verse five, therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay your taxes, for the authorities are God's servants. They who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So Paul is saying this. You're going to be transformed by submission. Because of your living sacrifice of worship, you value serving and loving others. Remember, serving, small groups, you value serving and loving others. When you value serving and loving others, you will value those who serve and look after you. You will value those who look after and serve you. On the way over here, driving down your Harley Road, it's going a little fast. Saw a police officer. I was like, oh, dear Lord. By the grace and mercy of God, he did not stop me. I would go in that fast. I would have given myself a ticket. But, but he's there. He's also there to protect me. Not just to catch me. He's there to protect me. If, if, if I get in a wreck, he's there. Uh, we, we have men and women who, who, who serve us as, uh, as first responders, as police officers, as, as, uh, as governing authorities, as people in office. And so we, we should pray for them. I did not pray for that police officer. I probably should have. I'll do that on the way back. 
But we should pray for, for those who are governing authorities. They are set and established by God. And why do we do that? Because we respect what they do. We value them serving us. Why? Because we serve others. Why? Because out of a response of living a life of worship. Because we love Christ. It's a trickle-down effect. I learned this big time when I was in Nicaragua about respect. One of the things I was able to do is we kind of had a fun day in Nicaragua. Well, it was all fun. But we had, we had one day where we got to do a couple of things. One, one option is we can go to a resort and just kind of hang out and that kind of stuff. That sounded really appealing, actually. But I was kind of like, you know, my mind's kind of, already, kind of renewed. You know, I'm ready to kind of, you know, do, do something. So the other option was go to a volcano, active volcano. That's cool. And uh, also, uh, after you go to the volcano, you go ziplining through the jungles there in, in Nicaragua in the huge a ginormous trees that grow there in Nicaragua. I chose that one. I've never seen a volcano. And so I went to, uh, several people in the group went to go uh, see the volcano. So I got to see that and see all the steam and, and brought a volcanic rock and showed it to my boys. And, and it's sitting on their desk right now. It's kind of cool. And, uh, and then after that, we went ziplining. And, and I tell you, um, I was a little nervous about this. I mean, I've been ziplining before, and this is not some sort of maze. I mean, you're, you're doing several stations of ziplining, you know, cables, and you're, you're flying. And they're really, they're really long. It's, I mean, you're going from one station to the next, and sometimes you can't even see the destination. You're like, where am I going? But here's, what thing that, here's one thing that really... Uh, caused some caution in me. Here I am in Nicaragua. I'm about to um, climb up this platform with stairs and uh, probably 60 feet off the ground in these huge trees. And um, I don't know what the regulations are in Nicaragua. I don't know if there's some sort of inspector that comes you know, and make sure that, you know, everything's on the up and up, the cables are good, we're not going to have any issues, and I'm just starting to think, did I make the right choice? You know, I'm a little afraid of heights, but I, I, I like the thrill of adventure, and so I'm thinking at this point, maybe I should have gone back to the resort <laughs> at this time, because I'm climbing these stairs, and I've got, I, I've got gear on and helmet on, and I'm looking up, and, and, and I see all of these uh, several men who had their, their T-shirts on working for this company, and they're Nicaraguan, and they're trying to tell us what to do, and they've got just a few words in English. And, and, and before I knew it, I was latched on to, to, to a cable, and, um, and this Nicaraguan guy's saying, okay, all right, uh, all you do at the end, make sure you break at the end, go. And he pushes me. And I'm flying 60 feet in the air, and I can't see where I'm going. It's that far. And I'm going, what did he just say? Something about breaking? And so I get to the end, and, and, and the guy down there at the station, I finally see it at the next tree, he's going like this. You know, I'm like, is that a Nicaraguan dance? What is he doing, you know? 
He's telling me to slow down. And so we had these gloves on to have a, kind of a hard surface. So I'm, I'm pulling down at the, on the cable, and, and I get there, and, and he, he says, you know, good job. And I say, you know, gracias. And, and, and before I knew it, by the time I landed, he had already taken, uh, taken off my carabiner and uh, wrapped it around to the other side of the tree. And all of a sudden, I heard this say, he say, jump. And I say, all right, I'm jumping. And he locks me in. And then he says, okay, break. And he pushes me. And off I go again. And again, I'm thinking, regulations. Is this thing going to go? I mean, is this thing going to hold? And then the next station, one of them says something about Superman. I was like, I like Superman. I, yeah, Superman. It's good. Before I knew it, they, they were talking to one another the, the other guys, and, and they switched some things around on, on my harness. And before I knew it, some guy grabbed my legs. They hooked me on the back, all right? He grabs my legs, lifts my legs. He's standing like this, and I'm like holding onto the cable, and he says, let go. And I'm like, am I strapped in? They can't understand me. And so they push me. And so this guy is riding behind me, with my, with my legs, and he's riding right behind me, going down this, uh, this zip line, and he, says, and he says, fly like Superman. And I go, oh, Superman. And it was an awesome feeling. It was great. I was like, I am Superman. Because I was horizontal with the earth, and I was flying, and it was awesome. And it was, it was such a, a joy, it was such a thrill. But, but here's, here's what I learned. I learned respect. I learned, I learned to respect that equipment because I was way far off the ground. And I learned to respect the men that were helping me to enjoy my time. I respected them. I, I began about level, uh, about station three or four, I was like, okay, these guys know what they're doing. It's okay. Just relax and trust. Everything's going to be fine. And so, when, when we are called to respect others, that comes as a, as a outcome, a direct reflection on how we respect God the Father. And there may be people here today, maybe you don't, maybe you haven't got to the point to where you've respected God the Father. Maybe it's led you to the point to where you don't, you don't really trust him with your life. Let me encourage you. Let me encourage you. If you're sitting here today and you're thinking, well, I've never... I've never trusted Christ as Savior. I, I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that does. I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to do or what. Just like on the zip line. Just, you got to let go. You got to let go and fly. And trust that Jesus, who's the expert with your life, because he made you, he has a plan for you, he has a destination for you, even though you may not be able to see it. He has a plan for your life. And he wants to be in control. He wants to be your guide.
something interesting about our trip on the zip line? You know the main guide? The guide that was overall the other, the other guides. The main dude in charge. He was, he'd been working for 20-something years at that same place. So he knew. He had experience. You know what his name was? Jesus. Jesus. And every time that Jesus would come around, I'd be at certain stations, and all of a sudden you see Jesus coming in, just kind of talking, and he could speak English, which is great. I, I love Jesus. Jesus, it's good. And so, but he, every time he would come around, I'd be like, that guy knows what he's doing. It just felt like a peace came over me. And he's a, he's a big guy, too. And we had several people on this platform, like, man, is this thing going to hold? And Jesus gets up there and walks on it, and it's like, it'll hold. Why? Because Jesus was there. <laughs> you know, we kind of laugh about that now, but some of you are not allowing Jesus on your zip line ride in life. Some of you are not allowing Jesus to be your guide. And you're just kind of going through life, zipping here, zipping there, not sure where you're going. When you got a guide who wants not to make it boring, he wants to make it more fun. It was more fun with the guides there. I couldn't have done Superman without the guides. I couldn't have done that. So if you have never accepted Christ as Savior, and if you're like, man, Frank, it's about time. It's about time that I make that decision, put my faith in Jesus, let Jesus be my guide. I'm ready for that. If that is you, you're gonna, we're going to give you an opportunity here in just a moment. And it's real simple. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're gonna, in just a moment, we're going to bow your head, close your eyes, and then we're, we're going to say a prayer. You can, I can even guide you in that prayer. And, and then what we'll do is uh, you could, uh, we're going to get out your connection card. And so you can find your connection card, and you're going you're gonna to indicate it on your connection card. That's how you're going to let us know. And you're just going to drop that in the offering basket. And the offering and the announcements, the only thing we got left, and we're done. But right now, everybody... Very important, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's, let's take this opportunity right now.